0: Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you're here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. Hello again. My name is Angel, for those who don't know me. I have the privilege to be here on staff at Southridge, and it's always a a privilege to be up here, uh, to be able to bring a little bit of what God has spoken to me through the week, so this is your first time, welcome. Again, if you call this your home, glad you're here. And if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. We hope that we'll see you here in person next week. Uh, so it's always a privilege. And as always, I want to thank, thank Pastor Micaiah for uh, giving me the privilege to be up here to bring his word. He's always He always takes a chance with me whenever he lets me. You know, come up here, because he never knows what I'm going to say, so he's like, oh man, what damage control do I have to do next week, right? Um, And he also doesn't know usually how long I'm going to take. I don't know how long I'm going to take, right? Hopefully we're out of here before dinner today. Um, So a lot of you are going to fast for the first time in your life today, Uh, but we're going to dive in so we don't take all day. So Sorry, so I don't take all day. Take all day. day. So far, we've been uh, in this flannel graph series for the last several weeks. Last week, you had Brother John up here, and he talked about uh, the great walls of uh, Jericho. Um, And then the week before that, Pastor uh, Micaiah took us through the the story of Abraham and Isaac. And if you haven't seen those two, I encourage you to go back and watch. Um, Pastor Micaiah preached on when pressure is a privilege. Right? I'm not even going to tell you more. I just want to hook you so you can go watch. Uh, But today, I have the privilege to talk about one of the most known stories and prophets in the Bible. Anyone know who that is? Jonah. Nobody knows who that is? Jonah? What comes to mind when you hear Jonah? A big fish, a whale, right? So we have veggie tales to thank for that, um, that we've uh, characterized. It's come down uh, for these couple things. Let's check this out. So we have, we, when we hear Jonah... We think of, let me see if this works. The sea, right? If that's a sea. We think of a boat where they were going to die. And then we think of Jonah being asked by God to go preach to a big city called Nineveh. And here's where I have a problem with veggie tales, okay? It says that Jonah was scared, so he ran. When God told him, he ran the other way. And then he's characterized by this whale right here, which you read the Bible, it doesn't even say whale, but right, then he tells again, it says big fish, right? So for those on the other side, I don't know if you could see, but this is how we've kind of broken down the story of Jonah, right? But today... I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, I'm going to do a little bit of preaching, um, hopefully some damage control of what Vegitel has done, uh, and we're going to kind of go through the whole story, it's only four chapters, uh, uh, so bear with me, and the goal is to do it all in the next 30 minutes, you think we can do that? No, let's pray, Father thank you so much for this day, thank you for this opportunity that we can gather, I pray in this moment Father that you guide me, guide my mouth Father, my lips. I pray that I speak only what you have me to speak this morning. I pray for the hearts of those who are here, that they can receive the word, that you can be, they can be transformed by the power of your word, Lord. Thank you that we can speak to you directly, Lord. Thank you that we can gather together. And I pray, Father God, that you use me. And when we go from here, Father, that you use everyone in here, Lord, with what you have for them today, Father. Thank you. We love you. And we say all these things, and everyone says? Amen. Amen. All right. So today's sermon, well, actually, before I say that, uh, Jonah's such a weird book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. Don't go watch a VeggieTale episode. It's a unique form of literature. It kind of, uh, kind of satire, almost, because it, it makes you uh, read about this character, Jonah, um, and I found myself often going, Oh, Jonah, you dummy, right? So it, it kind of makes you, uh, it's supposed to draw out that reaction, but it's also a mirror because we're Jonah. And I'll explain why. <laughs> and it ends uh, super weird, actually. I don't know if you ever got to the ending. It says that Jonah was angry with God for being gracious, loving, and forgiving the Ninevites. Did you, have you ever gone that far? Yeah, VeggieTales doesn't teach you that. But how are you going to say that to a little kid, right? Oh, and Jonah, the prophet of God, was angry that God did his job, right? So today, um, our sermon is called, When God Calls. And one of the main points I want to, um, if there's anything you take away, is this. God consistently calls us to be a part of his work of redemption, of grace and love here on earth. And here's the beautiful part. He can do it all on his own, yet he desires for us to be a part of that work. He can do it on his own, but he desires for us to be a part of that work. Question I want you to ponder on. How do you respond when God interrupts your life and calls you to do something you don't want to do? How do you respond? See, I believe wholeheartedly that God is calling each and every one of you this morning I believe that for some of you, he's calling you into a new relationship with him for the very first time. You've been searching. You've been seeking for something to fill that void, that hurt, that trauma that you've had. And you've tried other other options, but you found yourself here this morning. Still hurt, still broken, like all of us have been at one point. And so I believe God is calling some of you this morning to a new relationship with him. I also, because I believe that today is the day of salvation. Amen. I also believe that some of you, he's calling you into a ministry. I believe that some of you have been faithfully coming. And now God's saying, hey, now you're going to faithfully serve me. Right. I believe that for some of you, maybe he's calling you to another job out of a relationship that's not life giving. Whatever the circumstances, I wholeheartedly believe that God is calling each and every single one of us to do something today. So the question is, how are you going to respond? Let's see how Jonah, a man of God, a prophet who spoke directly to God and on behalf of God, responded when God called him. I'm going to uh, kind of go through the book. And we're first going to concentrate on Jonah 1, 1 through 2. The word of the Lord says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. All right, we're going to stop right there and work that down. We just, he just received the calling. The calling was, you know, Jonah was just walking one day, and he's like, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, hey, man, uh, you know that city that you hate? That, so if you don't know this, um, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire at that time. Jonah was a prophet. A prophet is someone who spoke directly to God. Back then, uh, your average Joe couldn't just speak to God directly. So God gave us prophets to speak to the people and to God on behalf, right? And so this was Jonah's job. And he, uh, he was a prophet during the reign of King Jeroboam II, towards the end of the Assyrian Empire or the Assyrian reign. Uh, and the Assyrians were known to be some of the most oppressive and abus- abusive people to have ever walked this earth. There's literally uh, what drawings that would show what these Syrians would do. So when they conquered um, the Hebrews, the Israelites, they would actually grab the men, the leaders of the men, and uh, this is a little bit graphic, so I apologize. But we need to understand um, they would skin them alive. They would skin them alive. And then they would parade, uh, they would cut off their heads and parade them on spears in front of the men, the women and children. Yeah, pretty aggressive, right? I bet you that person that you don't like seems like a saint next to these guys right now, right? Um, But needless to say, the Hebrews hated the Assyrians and vice versa. There was this animosity between them. And so when God told Jonah, hey, I need you to go preach to them. That if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy them. So first of all, I would say, hold on, God. Not happening. I don't, I, I'm scared to go tell someone I do like about God, right? Yet alone someone, no. But here's the thing. He wasn't scared. <laughs> the Bible tells us that he didn't think they deserved mercy. And that changes everything. So not only was he called to go to the people group he hated, but he was to go preach to them that they were evil. And again, this was the most powerful city to that known world at this time. He was called to preach judgment, not even love. Hey, God loves you. No, he's saying turn to God or be destroyed, right? Uh, He wasn't scared. He didn't think they deserved mercy. So what God calls us to do won't always make sense. From a human perspective, what God calls us to do won't always make sense. I know for Jonah in that moment, it didn't make sense at all. If I were Jonah, I'd be upset that God wouldn't even be asking me to do something like that. But he's a prophet. He's supposed to be better than us, right? Uh, maybe for some of you, um, God's been, you know, this one's not that serious, but maybe he's calling you to stop watching church online and join us next week in person. I know, right? Yes, some of you are like, really, God? I have to brush my teeth, take my pajamas off, and wear something to talk to people I don't even like. Yes, join us. We love you. But on a more serious note, maybe God is calling you to forgive someone who hurt you. You know, maybe God's calling you um, out of depression and anxiety. And yet, of responding to that call, we run away back to those uh, practices that leave us in those spaces. And maybe you're like, you don't know what this person did to hurt me. You know? You're right, I don't. But see, God knew what the Ninevites had done to Jonah's people, and he was asking him to do the unthinkable, to go and preach to them so they could be forgiven. There is always purpose in what God calls us to do. He, God just wasn't telling Jonah, hey, uh, go tell them just for the sake of it. No, 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 there's purpose. There's purpose of why God's calling you out of that relationship that isn't life-giving. Maybe that job that you're just surrounded by uh, people that don't love God and you're not, you're not being the light there, right? Or maybe you're at a job where you're in the top of the world and now you're relying on that job and not on God. And God's saying, hey, let me take you out of this. Let me save you from yourself. See, God often will call us out of somewhere to save us from ourselves. But there is always purpose in what God calls us to do. He may have a better job. He's calling you to heal from those broken relationships that have kept you stuck and prevented you from uh, moving on and trusting again. Maybe if you've had a, uh, a really bad authoritative figure in your life, abuse that authority and power. And so now you just view anyone with any type of authority as evil, as mean, as oppressive. But that's not a God, the God we serve. And so God is calling you out of that today. Man. See, for the Ninevites, the purpose of Jonah's call directly affected them and effect, affected an entire city. The purpose was for the entire city to hear the judgment that was coming and that it would lead to repentance. that was the purpose of this call that he placed on Jonah and that is the purpose I believe the ultimate purpose that God has placed in all of our lives is this calling to reach out to those to preach this uh, message of love, repentance so that it could lead to salvation and this may upset some of us. It, 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 it upset me. Because I started thinking in my life, like all the people that have hurt me, and it's like, dang, like, do I really even want them to be saved? No, let, let's just be honest, right? We want judgment for others, but not for us. This whole concept of judgment may upset you. You've always heard God is love. God is kind. He is. But bear with me. I will explain what this judgment means. So why did God call Jonah to go to Nineveh? You want to know why? Because God's desire to save the lost is greater than even our desire to save the lost. I firmly believe that God's desire is for all to come to him, to recognize him as Savior and Lord, and to be saved from ourselves, from this brokenness of this world. There's a constant theme in the book of Jonah and throughout Scripture that God pursues us, that God loves us so passionately that he sent his son to die for us, that he didn't leave us when we ran away. And instead of saying, oh, well, no, he chased after us. And that was a concept that growing up, um, I struggled to believe in. I was like, wow, because I I understood the holiness of God, that he is uh, love and grace. But I was like, but man, I don't deserve that. And so anytime I would hear even worship songs, I would like, you know, his love is running after you. And I was like, I'm not that important. I doubt it. And if it's true, why? But as I begin to understand um, how broken we are, I understand why he chases us. Because we can't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do. So he has to do it. And that is a theme that we see throughout scripture. Because he is a God of love, he extends this inexplicable grace to us, even that person you dislike the most. And may I even say, maybe that person you hate. I don't hate anybody. At least I don't think so. See, the reality is that we fail to have the same love and compassion and mercy that God has. We fail to have the same love and compassion and mercy that God has for us. We fail to extend that to others. So we want judgment for those who hurt us, for those who do terrible things to the innocent, but not for us. We want ours to be excused. Well, let me explain why I did this, right? When we see someone so messed up and evil, we write them off, don't we? Like, oh. I, I, think, I honestly think I've even said, man, I don't even think God would save him. And as I was reading, I, I, again, it's only four, four chapters. I was reading the book of Jonah every day for the last like three weeks. And every time I read it, I was like, man, that was me. <laughs> that evil person that God loved so much that he sent his son, he saved me. And you're like, man, Angel, what did you do? Well, let me ask you this. Um, what about those thoughts that you don't let anyone hear? All right, The Bible says that if you've um, thought of murdering your brother, you've already it's as if you already killed him. How many people have we killed off in our head? Right? So now the, the, that's where I was like, oh man. God is in the business of saving the most messed up people and using it for his glory. Thank, I want you guys this morning to think that I'm not God. Because I don't think I've forgiven none of y'all but I also thank God that you're not God because I don't think you'd forgiven me. It goes both ways. And let's be real, some of you hear this often, it probably like ticks you off, is like that one person that you say you'll never forgive and you're hearing this you know, 29-year-old kid say, hey, uh, God loves even that person you hate the most. And it's probably ticking you off. But like I said, God is in the business of saving the most sinful and often uses that hurt. Because here, here's the thing. We live in a broken world. And oftentimes these people that do such horrible things is they have so much trauma that they never dealt with. And, and, and we're evil at our core. The Bible says that. But oftentimes he, he uses those people that were the worst. And that's the platform they use. Like, hey, this is who I was. This is who I now am in Christ, and because this grace and forgiveness was here for me, it's also there for you. Amen. It's funny how we often act like Jonah, trying to decide who deserves mercy and who doesn't. All right, so we're gonna keep going because I think I only have about two hours left. All right, let's see. Um, All right, so I want you guys to see the response of Jonah. Okay, remember Jonah is a prophet. Right, he has a direct line communication with God. It says, "But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, which is funny because you can never um, flee the presence of the Lord." He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. See, this is where the story gets funny. Because it wasn't, um, uh, uh, his, Jonah's choice to disobey, to run the other way, was intentional. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like, oh God, my bad, I thought you said go this way. No, he even re- uh, repeated three times where he was going to make a point that he was not going to do what God asked him to do. Do you guys see that? Three times that he mentioned where he was going. And if you looked at a map, which I've, fortunately I don't have one, um, it, it was close to Spain, which at that time, they thought that was the end of the world. They didn't think there was anything else past that. So he was commanded to go to Nineveh, and he flew, fleed, flew, or, you know, ran away this way. It wasn't no accident, right? But what, what I found even funnier was, dude, you're a prophet. You really think you can hide from God? Like, come on, man. Right, and so I'm just reading this guy and having fun of just seeing this guy like just look silly. He's like, "Oh, Jonah, you silly goose!" Right, but before we criticize Jonah, how many times have we ran the complete opposite way of where God is calling us? Right, this is what this book is uh, meant to do. It's supposed to show us um, that even though we have this uh, grace, this new life in Christ, it's still a choice to obey Him. He was a prophet, and he was still running from what God was calling him to do. Here's, here's the thing. When we run from God, it, it not only affects us, but we affect those around us. What do I mean by that? See, God wanted to use Jonah as an instrument of grace to call this great wicked city into repentance. And repentance means to rearrange your entire way of thinking, feeling, and being in order to forsake that which is wrong. That's what God wanted to use Jonah as that instrument of grace to get this wicked group of people to repent. Jonah's actions was directly affecting the outcome of Nineveh, right? And sometimes God wants us to speak to someone and we run away. I, I shared this on, uh, on Wednesday with a um, small group. Uh, there, was, there was a neighbor I had who I always said, oh, I'm going to talk to him. I'll, I'll tell him about God. I'll tell him about Jesus. I'll tell him about Jesus. You know, and I think I'd lived there for five years, and I never did. And then one day I heard he passed away. You know, and, and I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. And I'm, God doesn't hold that up against me. You know, he's forgiven me. Um, but it's like, dang, like, when we don't obey, it affects others. Because God wants to use us as instruments of his grace to reach those that are lost. You know? And so now when, when I'm in a coffee shop and God says, hey, go talk to this person. Yes, sir. And let me tell you, I've had some great encounters. I've had some you know, not so great where they start screaming. Um, and where I start screaming. No, I'm kidding. I don't scream. Uh, but when we disobey, it affects not just us, our lives, but others. Now, God will still do what he wills. I want you guys to understand this. He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. So if he wanted the Ninevites to be saved, there wasn't Jonah. It would have been someone else, right? But here's the thing. Um, at the end of the day, we're going to do the will of God. Sometimes it will take longer. Sometimes it's going to hurt. And more than not, he will send a storm to recapture our attention to put us back on track. And for us to align with his will. And what he has called us to do. So how does it affect us? right? When we run away. We begin to rebel. Uh, we rely on our own understanding. We stop seeking uh, counsel from you know, other Christians. We stop coming to church. We stop uh, praying. Seeking fellowship with his church. Those are stuff that slowly begin to happen. When we begin to reject what God is calling us to do. Because that's just who we are. We always go back to. Our former selves, right? Now, there's a common theme here in Jonah's rebellion I want you to see, and it's down, right? It says he went down to Joppa, right? He said he got onto a ship um, and he went down into the, uh, he went all the way down to the part of the ship to fall asleep, and then he was thrown down into the ocean or to the sea, right? And then this uh, fish came and, oh, there's a fish, right? Finally. This fish swallowed him, and he went down, and he spent there three days, three nights, right? So this is a common thing. When we rebel against God, our lives don't go up. They go down. I want us to understand that. And it's not because God's like, oh, I'm going to get you. No, it's because um, we're lost without him. Now, how does it affect others? Let's read. Check this out. But the Lord hurled a great wind, I'm reading from chapter, um, verse 4 and on. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. The sailors were afraid, these were pagan sailors, they worshipped many different gods, each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for for them. So, you gotta understand, these are, um, uh, what's it called, Uh, professional sailors, so imagine how bad the storm must have been to freak a professional sailor out. And it even says that the ship threatened to break up. It's the first time uh, in, in um, I mean, how is a ship going to threaten, right? It's not, in, it's not a living object, but it's just to show us how aggressive it was. And their response was, hey, I don't even care about the goods in this, in this uh, ship. Let's toss them. I want to live, Right. And so it says they threw him out, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper, arise? Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. It's interesting how sometimes God will have to use pagan people, people that don't know him, to get us back on track as well. He says, God uses everyone. Everyone. I always like to say, if you use a donkey, he can use you, right? (laughs) And he said to him, "Uh, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? That's a lot of questions, right? And so Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? This uh, again, when I read this, I thought it was so funny because um, imagine these sailors—they're like, hold on, hold on, hold on! You're telling me you worship the god of the sea, and you try to flee from him on a boat, <laughs> right? Think about that. Yeah. So that's another thing I want you to realize: when we run from God, we do silly things, yeah. things that don't—they're not even logical, <laughs> right? But see. Um, uh, let's keep reading, I'm almost done reading. When they said to him, uh, so, sorry, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what does it say you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So how does it affect others? I, I love this passage because it, it shows us again that um, God will use whoever to get the point to us, yeah. right? But also, God in his grace and mercy can even use our disobedience To call others into repentance. Not because of anything Jonah did or anything we do, but because of what he did. Because a little bit later, then they said to him, what shall we do to you? That the sea may quiet down for us. So they knew he was the cause, so that meant he must be the solution. right? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Check this word right here. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. So they knew getting rid of Jonah would save their lives. Yet they showed compassion for Jonah. And they said, no, no, no. Before we even get to that, we're going to keep rowing. We're going to try to save his life too. That's God's grace. Do yeah. you guys see that? That's good. And It's beautiful. And it shows us that even when God corrects us, man, he, just, he does it so loving. And, but check this out. So they couldn't no longer roam. So they decided, hey, we're just going to toss Jonah out. Um, but before they did, they said, they called out now to the Lord. Here the Lord is capitalized. So now they're no longer talking to their gods. They're talking to Yahweh. They said, oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay us not as... Lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So they went from fearing the storm exceedingly to fearing the Lord exceedingly. Isn't that awesome? Again... In God's grace and mercy, he will even use our disobedience to save without who he wants to save. And our words can say one thing, but our actions prove where we stand, guys. You know, because he was, he was telling him, hey, I fear the Lord. I worship, um, I'm a Hebrew. Uh, I'm, you know, part of the chosen ones from the God. Uh, you know, I worship the God who made the heavens, the sea, the dry land. And yet he was showing everything but that fear of the Lord. So Josh, Josh, not Josh, Jonah claimed to fear God, but his actions showed the complete opposite. He claimed reverence, worship, yet he was running away. You must be thinking how this sounded to the pagan sailors, right? Our actions will speak louder than our words, church. But I also want you guys to see something here. God's calling reveals his characteristics, and our response will show ours. There's a lot of misconceptions of the character of God today, you know. Um, I I love engaging in, uh, you know, discussions, um, especially with people that don't believe the same as I do, Um, and not for the sake of, you know, winning an argument or um, showing them that, you know, I know more or that they're wrong, but no, I want to show them the love of Jesus, you know, Um, and... Oftentimes, one of the most things that constantly comes up is like, dude, if all the evil in the world, how can God just stand by? God's not loving. God's not kind. But when we read scripture, like how we're supposed to read it, it it tells us a completely different thing. People don't think he's loving, rich in love, rich in mercy. But throughout the Bible, we see God's desire to reconcile with his creation. We see that something he made something perfect, it was broken, and now he did everything in his power to reconcile us, to fix that broken relationship. See, God was calling Jonah to preach to a city to bring salvation, and God in his mercy used the storm to capture Jonah's attention again. And he gave him a second chance, but also he fulfilled the calling, which is... For the entire nation of, or the, the entire city of Nineveh to be saved. His character is love, ours isn't. God's character is love, ours isn't. And Jonah showed that in his response by fleeing, by saying, no, they don't deserve it. See how we respond shows us do we have the heart of God? Do we love like he loves? Do we love the broken, the hurting? Do you, you know, those who are in need, do we love them? God does. When we run away from God, oftentimes he'll let us, but he will rescue us from ourselves before it's too late. And oftentimes, like I said earlier, it's through a storm, through some kind of correction or judgment. Now there's that word again, judgment, right? Now this may upset some of you because we just like to hear about God being loving, being kind, forgiving, and he is. He is all those things, but he's also holy. Holy. And just, and because of that, he must render judgment, right? But check this out: uh, God's purpose for judgment is grace and mercy. Is not to be this evil Lord that you know just wants to crush his enemies. No, he will, but that's not his desire. His desire is grace and mercy. See, well, the problem we've had is we've separated uh, judgment and love. The two sides of the same coin. God's judgment is an expression of love. As a parent, you discipline those who lo- you love, right? You, you, you discipline your children. It's the exact same thing. God loves us. He disciplines us. You know, you don't discipline your neighbor's children, right? Although I'm sure most, a lot of you guys want to. <laughs> so you don't discipline them because you don't love them in that way. So if God didn't love us, he wouldn't discipline us. And here's the problem. We've let humans define what is good and evil. And when that happens, we get places like Nineveh. And I think we're seeing that now. Which is why he called us to join him in this great work of reconciliation. We want to define good and evil in ways that are most convenient for us. And a judgment is rendered based on that. Like, have you ever tried to, you know and I do this all the time if I probably shouldn't admit to this, but um, you're driving and you see the big old line of people wanting to take the off-ramp. So what do you do? Well, as a Christian, right, you wait in your turn in line, um, but those who are still aren't fully redeemed yet, what we'll do is um, we'll drive to the front and we'll cut in, right? And then people will start honking, flipping you off, and then you're like, you try to excuse your action. Right? You're like, oh dude, you do the same. Right? And now it's funny because we want someone to just give us enough space to go in there. Right? But now let's let's reverse it. Say you're almost out and someone just cuts in front of you. You don't care about his explanation. Why did you do that to me? You know, right? Or is this just me? (laughs) Dang, no one admitted to that. Well, (laughs) as I continue to repent, you can polish your halos, guys. Um, but see, we want judgment for others, but not for us, yeah. right? And especially not when it challenges our ability to decide what is good and bad. God's judgment is an expression of love. See, if God was in the business of just judging people and killing, he wouldn't give them a warning. You guys see that, right? I, I, I heard this uh, a preacher say, use this example. If you see an ant, you don't say, hey, I'm going to squish you if you don't move. No, what do we do? We just render judgment. Right? But that's not what God does. Because the purpose of God's judgment is mercy and forgiveness. You guys see that? And when you understand that, it's like, whoa, that's that's amazing. And we also see that through the fish. All right, here's the fish. Finally, we get to the fish. The fish saved him from death. He would more than likely would have drowned in that ocean or in that sea. But that fish came. Swallowed him, and then in the very next chapter, it says that he spit him out on dry land, but after three days and three nights, right? But I also want you guys to see this. This is really cool. The fish represents the tomb where Jesus would be buried. Yeah. Just like Jonah, Jesus spent three days and three nights in the tomb, defeating death, taking the keys away from death. The work of Jonah, was, it's also a foreshadow of the work of Jesus. He was supposed to go and even if it cost him his life with the Ninevites, right? It was his, his obedience, his life in exchange for God's mercy for this wicked group of people. That was Jesus. It was his life in exchange for, our, for us. But here's the difference. And, 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 and this is where I know um, people, like, people will say, oh, well, um, God sent him to do that. He had to. Yes, but when Jesus was in the garden, he said, Lord, if it's your will, may this, pass, this cup pass for me but let your will be done, not mine. So he responded to that calling that God placed in his life. And thank God he did, because he died on the cross, was buried, resurrected, three days later, rose from the grave, amen? Amen. The difference is Jesus obeyed did not rebel. Even in his correction, God used that fish as an instrument of grace. And it was in that fish that Jonah had that heart-to-heart with God, and he got it. But I don't have time to go into it, but I want you guys to read it. It's chapter 2. Read his uh, his prayer because he doesn't actually repent from disobeying God. He just thanks him for saving him. So that's actually really interesting, right? But that's the thing about grace. God still forgave him and gave him a clean slate to start over because the way... Uh, Chapter 3 starts. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The exact same way it came the first time. God said, it's all forgotten. Let's try again. Isn't that beautiful? And he calls us constantly, and we mess up, but God will say, hey, um, let's try that again. And the result of obeying God's calling, we find in Jonah 3.10, it says, when God saw what they did, how they turn away from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. When we obey God's calling, redemption happens even in the darkest places. Even in the places where you don't want it to happen. But what's so interesting is the message that was given. It was an eight-word sermon, and some of you are probably like, man, I wish Angel gave an eight-word sermon, right? Right? But I don't think you do because if you pay attention, it was a message of judgment. It wasn't, it wasn't a seeker-friendly message, I'll tell you that. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, God loves you. He does, but no, and, and I don't have, You know, I can't go into it, so if you wanna dive in deeper, let me know, I'd love to sit down and just dive in deeper with you on, on all this. But the scholars debate on if that was the exact message that God gave him or if Jonah, still being Jonah, you know, didn't really want the Ninevites to repent, right, to be saved. Um, The message said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He never mentions God. He never mentions forgiveness. Yet God worked through that. And it says here that the whole town believed. And then it went, though the word, you know, what was happening came to the king of Nineveh in that moment, the ruler of Nineveh. And it said that he too repented. It said that he too, and and it's hilarious. Again, here's here's the satire in here. He said that he made everyone fast, even the cows, the cattle. Isn't that crazy? But this is what it showed me. One man in obedience with God is more powerful than anything. Because about 120, Nineveh Nineveh was about 120,000 people and this says they all repented. And turn from their wicked ways. When we obey God, He uses us to bring even some of the most evil people into salvation. And I'm sure that it infuriates some of you. But thank God that He does. Because that means He rescued us. I'll end with this. Come. Um, John Newton. I don't know if you guys have heard who John Newton is. Uh, he was uh, some of the worst humanity had to offer, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I read through his story, and I was like, whoa, this guy sucks. <laughs> you know, he worked on a ship and, um, with his father, and when his father retired, he, there was no one there to, the, the story goes right, that there was no one there to kind of look after him. So when he was 19, he was kidnapped and forced to work on a slave trade ship. And he was abused on there, flogged, beaten, treated as a slave, even though his job was to find slaves and trade them. He traveled for five years, worked on boats where he captured African men and women and forged them into slavery. That's pretty wicked. And then it says one day he felt ill and he felt like he was going to die. And so he, he, he just reached out to God and asked for healing. The God that he'd been rejecting. The God who created all those people who made him in his own image, who he'd been exploiting for his personal benefit. He cried out to that God. And you know what happened? God healed him. Didn't that just get you angry? <laughs> it did when I was reading. But that, again, that's us. I want to I want you to understand. I mean, yes, there's a difference to, our, the, to what kind of sin you commit, but it's all sin. It all separates you from God. But check this out. He said he turned it says it returned t- to God. But even as already a Christian, he was still working on that ship. He was working on there still exploiting people for their benefit. And so finally, God put this conviction in his heart that he could no longer justify his new identity in Christ and his profession. So he quit. And he wanted to be a pastor, but he needed a degree. But he did end up becoming a pastor. Right? He ended up pastoring, um, and for the rest of his life, he worked to abolish slavery. As someone you saw as a, this guy that, you, you must have thought, oh, John Newton's not worth saving. See, God took him and took the most horrible thing he was doing, and now turned it upside down. And that's what he does with all of us. He became a pastor, right? Worked the rest of his life to abolish slavery. And then he wrote, he was the writer of one of the most known known hymns ever. see if you remember. It says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. God is in the business of saving everyone. And he wants to use you. He calls you every day to be used as an instrument of grace to accomplish that. So whatever it is he's calling you, I want to ask you, how are you going to respond? We can act like Jonah, try to render judgment and see who is fit for mercy. And then at the end, he said, he was mad at God for saving Nineveh. And he said, this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish for I knew This is so funny. That you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. He's saying, God, I knew that if they repented, you would save them, and that's why I didn't want to go. So we have a choice. We can do that, or we can obey. And remember that that's who we were once. That wicked person that people had said, no, he's not worth saving. We have a choice, right? To do that, to disobey, or align our hearts with God's. And that is a heart of love, compassion, and mercy. To fully understand God's grace, we must fully understand our wickedness and our brokenness. Because man, it just makes you love him even more. Saying, Lord, why would would you love someone like me? Where sin runs deep, his grace is deeper. Where shame is wide, his arms are wider. There is an opportunity for inexplicable repentance that leads to grace and redemption to life for every single one. And I believe that that is the greatest calling. That Whatever job you're at, he's calling you to be the best employee you can, but to also draw people to him. Wherever it is you're at, that is the greatest calling. What has God been calling you to do? And um, the worship team is going to a couple of them are going to just sing a quick song and if you want prayer I want to invite you to come to the front as we pray but what have you been running from? Will you join God in the work he created you to do? We often hear messages about how we're David that we can conquer Goliath but I think the most honest character if we're honest the character we're most like is Jonah constantly running from God and constantly seeing him chase after us to redeem us, to restore us. Thank God the holy, righteous God is the one who decides, amen. So I'm gonna invite you to stand up all all eyes closed. You wanna bow your head, raise your head. I don't, just, this moment, I just want it to be you and God. And I will say this, Nineveh is not the place of your greatest weakness, okay? So if you're struggling with something, he's not going to send you somewhere where you're going to struggle. But no, Nineveh is that place of stronghold that you need to repent and bring the light of Jesus into. So in this moment, I want to ask you, if you've never received Christ in your heart and you just feel him calling, if you're like, man, I I want this. I don't fully understand, but nothing else has worked. I want this God who loves who uses grace, who uses love, even in our discipline, to, to, to show us, if that is you, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. And I want to invite you to explore who God is because he is going to change your life. I promise. And if you felt like God has been calling you for something else, for this very important decision to make, um, I want to invite you to trust him, to trust him and just do it. And remember that there's always a purpose for what he is calling you to do. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time, have a great day.